Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and good evening. Welcome to the Psychic Inside Show. My name is Joelle and I am the Vibrarian. I am here to elevate, enlighten, and empower with information that I hope you find interesting and helpful. I am here each week on the Vibrary Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio, bringing you conversations and experiences, knowledge journeys, and explorations. And every Tuesday on the Psychic Inside Show, I have a different guest on who is sharing about their journey discovering their psychic gifts and abilities. I believe that everyone is psychic. You just may not realize it. And as we are having these interviews and conversations, I'm hoping that you will see something that maybe makes you feel a hint of recognition and something that you can relate to to help ease you on your journey and stepping fully to embrace all that you can be. Now, during the show, you can call the phone at 646-787-8436. If you've got a question that you want to ask about the psychic life, this story that's being shared with you, certainly press the pound one key. That lets me know that you want to come on the air, and I'll try to get you on for your question as soon as possible. I'm also out there, you know, these episodes are on iTunes and Stitcher. If you're a podcaster, you can subscribe and keep up to date, listen in the car tomorrow on your way to work or in the evening times, also on the Vibrary YouTube channel. Now, everybody says, what is the words that you're saying? Well, I am a librarian, but I'm only dealing with high vibrational information, so that's why we get the vibe, and that's V-I-B-E as in energy, R-A-R-I-A-N. You can follow me at The Vibrarian, or you can check out The Vibrary on YouTube. If you want to catch a nice episode or other ones that we've had out there, please do take a visit, take a listen to all of the programming that's out there for you. If you are on Instagram and Facebook, I love to pass on the positivity. So if you see something that you think should be shared, it could be a story, it could be a meme, it could be something uplifting, please tag me. Good Vibe Tribe or Get Lifted, that way I can pass those messages on. I believe that we are all too active in terms of passing on the negativity, and I want to do my part to help you and the rest of my tribe spread the good vibes as far as we possibly can. So on the Psychic Inside show this evening is a person, you all hear me talk all the time about Gloria Parker's Big Psychic Fair. And I have to tell you that is because it is a place that has been operating as a light for the spiritual community and people who want to access awesome readers, intuitive psychic mediums, astrologers. There's all kinds of people that come through there. And for 25 years, this has been an operation in Atlanta. And I have been going for many years myself as a client and then also as a reader more recently. So I tend to be a regular up there several times a year. And I've seen many faces come and go. And in the last few years, there has been a real kind of shift in the dynamics and the diversity of the people who are reading. At one point in time, I feel like it was a lot more like older, mature. I guess I'm 47, so that means to me you're kind of in my age bracket or above. But in the last couple of years, I have been seeing more men in the fair providing readings, and I've seen increasingly younger faces. So 
early this year, I went into the psychic fair and I saw this new face that I had not seen before. And his flyer was super cool. It felt all outer spacey. So that grabbed me on the one hand. And then when I saw his presence and I saw his energy, I was like, well, who is this? Who is this person? I want to know who he is. And I always know when I get that little nudge that it's because spirit has some reason, something that is going to uplift me, some reason for me to want to connect with people. So when I jotted down his name, I didn't have a chance to sit with him, but I jotted down his name because it stuck with me, and that is Rocky Yang. So I didn't get to sit with Rocky. I came back the next month. I didn't see him. But last month in March, lo and behold, sitting next to me and the reader's table was Rocky. And I was like, oh, awesome. And I was like, I'm the lady who reached out to you to be on the radio show. And he was like, oh, I know you. So it was like a great moment of recognition. And I'm just really excited to crack open the door and invite you to sit in this chair this evening. Rocky, welcome to the Psychic Inside Show. Oh, thank you very much for having me here. And you flatter me very much. Uh, I'm very always happy to uh, meet new people, and I'm very excited to be on your show today. So thank you. Well, you, I mean, I, I, I know it's sometimes considered impolite to ask people their age, but I would say that you are probably under thirty, if I had to guesstimate. Am I close or am I off? <laughs> You're very close, but actually, I am thirty on the dot. Okay, you're 30, so okay, you are young. I was a young and fresh-faced, and you had, like, this brightest eyes and smile when I saw you. So to me, it really is striking because 30 is not necessarily the point in life when a lot of people truly know who they are. A lot of us in our 20s and 30s, we might be in, like, our first career kind of maturing in our abilities and things like that. And then sometimes in our mid-30s, we find ourselves leaving those first career-type established jobs for something that calls our heart. But here you are at 30, and you're already in full-fledged psychic work. How... I mean, do you feel young at heart in terms of when you look around and see your peers? <laughs> well, yeah, so that uh, that is pretty interesting. I I do feel like I am fairly young. I kind of started doing readings professionally for about four years now. When I back at home mm. in Michigan, when I first started, I was the only guy, and uh, well, there's one other guy named Ali who was awesome too, but he's quit, but. Besides that, I was the youngest person, and it does feel a little bit uh, out of place sometimes when you look around and everybody's a little bit older in the years, and it does take a little while to get here, though, because I didn't think that I was ever going to officially be a professional reader. Uh, after college, I ended up getting an IT job, and then I was got promoted <laughs> and somehow got transferred over to engineering, so I became an engineer, and I was working mm. at, uh, at the automotive industry, uh, working all around the country for a while, and finally I came back home to Michigan and Lansing, and I met Maria over there. She gave me a reading, and she told me I should probably be a reader for her, so then I kind of just started my journey that way. That's interesting because when you think of the IT guy, you know, or the engineering field, 
that is very analytical, logical, uh, specific, data-driven coding. I mean, that's like the area that you're in. And I would say that psychic is the antithesis of all of that. How was that for you energetically? <laughs> yes, so it was completely different. I felt like the engineering side, just being inside the factories, programming robots and doing uh, uh, designing factories, that puts you into the very logical mindset. Uh, and so mm-hmm. coming back home, it's almost like you have to unwind and, and kind of really wrench yourself out of that mindset and just relax and come back to center. So there's a balancing act between the logical and the intuitive side too. And you know what the most surprising thing was though? Uh, it was actually that once I kind of came out and told my coworkers that I actually do a lot of psychic readings, a lot of the other engineers, they were pretty accepting of it. I thought that mm-hmm. they would look at me like some kind of weirdo. Uh, some of them actually asked me for a reading. And mm-hmm. I think engineers are a subspecies of people that will always surprise you because they seem like super logical and they may seem kind of nerdy, but they'll mm-hmm. take out some amazing moves on you too. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it's quite interesting because some of the people that we, you know, that we look at like Galileo and and some of the early envisionaries, you can, there are people who say, well, these were psychic visions that showed him like the wings of the propeller that uh you know they were they were known for having constructed and they brought those visions then into technical reality and that's really then what engineers are doing is providing solutions so it would seem like if you are able to tap into your clairvoyance in terms of seeing how something could work um, maybe it's that engineering engineers are more tapped in than what they realize. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a quick side story, but related to what you're saying, uh, both Nikola Tesla and uh, mm-hmm. Albert Einstein, they both said that imagination is actually more important than knowledge. But imagination mm-hmm. is also just another term for visualization. And so what they were kind of talking about was being attuned to the spirit and having your own intuitional gifts too and saying that that was actually more important. They have a lot of book smarts. And those were two of the greatest mm-hmm. minds of our time. Absolutely. Thank goodness. Whew, Tesla, right? <laughs> Let me give a shout out right there. Now, so it seems like in your probably, what, 20s to 30s this decade, you went through what a lot of people would have gone through then over that 20-year period where you kind of tested a field and then you moved into another field and then you moved away from that field. So you seem to be kind of like in an accelerated ascension. And I understand that you are actually from a family where psychic gifts and abilities are not uncommon. Could you share a little bit more about your background? Oh, yes, I'd be happy to. So uh, what happened was, what happened is that my family, we are the Hmong people. Not a lot of people know who we are. We're kind of a tribal mm-hmm. people that travel around mm-hmm. the world. So we don't have a country of our own, so we can't say, oh, I'm from Hmong land or anything. We're just kind of spread out all throughout Asia. 
And so you'll find some of us in China, Vietnam, Thailand, kind of all over. And what kind of happened was my family, we come from uh, a long line of shamans. So mm. typically how that happens, well, specifically with my family, and our family is the Yang clan, so that's why I'm Rocky Yang. Every generation, mm-hmm. there is somebody that gets chosen by the spirit of the family. So there's, each, there's 18 last names or there's 18 clans. Each, each clan is guarded by a family spirit. And all the families that are underneath that clan, they will worship, they will uh, give honor, they'll give you know, praises and everything and energy to that family spirit to protect them. So how our clan works is that it just happens to be every generation somebody is gifted a little bit more so than others mm-hmm. to be able to see spirits, to be able to uh, talk to, to things on the other side, to be able to just know things. And so what happened was uh, the earliest story I can remember actually goes back to my great-grandma who is the oldest shaman that I can remember. And mm-hmm. she says that we were kind of uh, if you would, that we were kind of from a royal line of shamans. And so when she was still a young girl, she was considered a princess. And how mm-hmm. she met my grandfather was that he was a traveling artist. He was very good at uh, his instruments. And so he was going around different villages, holding little concerts. And the day that they met, he was holding a concert. And out of everybody in the whole crowd, he saw her and picked her out of the crowd. And that's how they found mm. love, and that's how we came to be. And so then, she, mm. well, the most, I'm sorry, we, I can get kind of distracted sometimes, but uh, so comes from a very powerful line of shamans in our family. Uh, mm-hmm. The last person I can think of that was supposed to take up the responsibility of kind of leading the family into uh, spiritual belief or spiritual connection was supposed to be my uncle. Uh, however, mm-hmm. he didn't want to take it up. And so there's the reason why the, there's a shaman that gets picked every generation is because we believe in shamanism, but not everybody is a shaman. People are just believers. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you need the shaman in the family to, to be that connection, to be that bridge, to kind of teach people and to reach out to them too and to keep the traditions alive. So he, my uncle kind of didn't really pull, take that up. And so a lot of information has kind of been lost. And I'm, I'm start, sort of starting from scratch here, trying to regain all the knowledge and information I can. And to uh, I'm actually trying to build a database of information here too so that moving on to the future, that we'll have that saved somewhere. Because my people, you know, we, we're more of a, of an oral culture, meaning that we didn't really get mm-hmm. into, too much into writing. And so a lot of information is passed down through word of mouth. And so mm-hmm. uh, when the person who has all that knowledge can't pass that down through word of mouth, you lose a lot. And it's a little sad seeing all that go. Mm-hmm. But that's where we come in. We're, we're here. We're the new generation. We're the future. So going to record it, going to write it down, going to pass it on mm-hmm. so that hopefully... Mm-hmm. The uh, the next line in our family. I think I already know a couple of good candidates of who might be the next uh, gifted person in the next generation. So I don't want them to 
start from scratch and be all alone in this crazy spiritual world uh, because mm-hmm. it actually started very early for me when I was just a child and being able to see spirits and having spirits follow you and kind of chase you a little bit too and you're like four you have no idea what's going on that can mm-hmm. be really scary and mm-hmm. I don't want that to happen to uh, I don't want that to happen to my nieces and nephews and also I want them to be able to know you may be seeing a spirit. This one is one we don't know. This is the one, these are the family spirits, though. So if you're seeing these ones, these are okay. Kind of got mm. something like that. It's so interesting because, uh, you know, what you find in, a, say, a typical um, American or European-centric way of connecting with spirit, it is not so much the ancestral connections that you find in indigenous people, such as like the African and their ancestral practices through like Ifa and connecting with the Orisha, uh, Native Americans who are very much uh, also calling shaman pathway, and the Mayans where you're sitting with the elder uh, uh, the elder wisest shaman again, who then is teaching forward, then the connectivity of knowledge that's uh, so unique to what my experience has been, and I'm absolutely fascinated by that uh, because there is a, as you said, a continuity that you could trace back through generations uh, through your current awareness. And then there is, I guess, familiar familiars, <laughs> the family spirits who you said that you have recognition with. So when you were a child, your grandmother was still living, and were you, were you receiving knowledge from her instruction at that point, or was it more directed towards your uncle or, I mean, like, what was it like then when you would say, I saw, I've been chased, you know, what's going on? What, what was the response to you? Well, here comes kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of, I guess, a mix up or bump in the road because they'll say that is shaman or they believe in shamanism. But my mom's side, they are very, uh, well, they believe a lot in Christianity. So that's mm-hmm. why I think, when I was younger, I didn't receive too much uh, knowledge or too much information from my grandparents. A little bit because I think mm-hmm. I was being stopped from my, by my mom. But I'm really, really thankful for her grandma because if it wasn't for her, I would have thought that I was going absolutely crazy because I was seeing people mm-hmm. that weren't there. I was seeing animals that weren't there. But the thing was, she was seeing the same exact things I was seeing, and mm. she was moving around them the same exact way that I was moving around them too. Like mm. if I saw something, in, if I saw something standing in the middle of the room, I would walk around it, and, but that would be weird to do, just randomly, right? Normally you just cut straight across the house, but so I walk way around the room, and then my grandma, she'd be doing the same thing. So I was like, I'm not crazy. She sees this too. Mm-hmm. And this, it's no, interesting. You have to re- remind people that we're talking about at four and five years old. I mean, we've all—if we don't have our own kids, like me—I've been around four and five-year-olds, and let me tell you, they do kind of live in their 
own world filled with their own traumas and such. But, uh, you know, to have, uh, I consistently hear psychics who were strongly uh, clairvoyant, especially as children, say that it was so frightening to experience spirit, uh, to see visions, as you said, seeing animals, I'm sure within your home space, places where you would not see animals and things that your four and five-year-old brain is not even able to articulate as, you know, if you've never seen, uh, say, an emu, you know what I'm saying? You wouldn't be like, well, there's an emu in the kitchen, you know what I'm saying? You would probably be at a loss conceptually to even describe um, what you're seeing. So, as your grandmother recognized in you the sight, did she begin to interact with you differently? Well, I can't really remember too much because it was when I was about okay. four or five, and mm-hmm. my grandma passed away shortly after that too. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. I didn't get so much time to talk to her because she was sick for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And But it was actually my great-grandmother who was the last shaman that we knew in mm-hmm. our family. Uh, and she actually ended up living for quite a while. But the thing was, I didn't really fully understand at the time. And I kind of viewed myself as an atheist for the longest time growing up, believing that intellectualism and science would win out. And kind of why I went into IT and into engineering. Uh, but it, unfortunately, it wasn't until... She was getting close to her time that I started becoming a little bit more interested in actually developing my own abilities and not trying to convince myself that if I told anybody that I would be thrown into the loony house. Uh, so mm-hmm. unfortunately, though, my great-grandma passed away too before that. And I have a great-uncle now who lives out in California. And he is a very good master. He's a very good teacher and trainer. And he's one of the last uh, very powerful and very legitimate psychic, or not psychics, but shamans that I know, who he comes from a line of masters that come directly from the, from the very famous and legendary shaman that we have in our culture that we tell in our stories. So learning from him mm. almost feels like you're learning straight out of history. Mm. I think I would just be stuck in learner mode because I love, <laughs> you know, I love uh, the, especially the opportunity to connect with such deep wisdom because this is a type of thing that we're talking about that a lot has been lost. As you said, you know, people talk about losing language when you assimilate into a culture and then the children don't learn to speak the language and that's how tongues are lost. There's a lot more than language that is lost in terms of the continuity. And just as you're talking about, like, this generational, like your family, your clan, if you know, as you say, that to me is like, eras and hundreds and hundreds of years that comes across in that energy, like hundreds of thousands of years of a family-specific connection that I think is very, very cool. (laughs) When you hear people say shaman nowadays, it is used 
how do you feel about the term shaman as, as you encounter other people uh, and their shamanic practices? Okay. So I'll be honest, whenever I hear uh, people talk about the metaphysical world, uh, I am a little bit skeptical until I can kind of find out what exactly they're talking about because it does kind of feel like here in America we do take uh, things from various cultures and we do kind of try to stake claim or stake that we have some kind of uh, authority in whatever it is that's part of the other culture without fully understanding it. So I see examples of that mm-hmm. a little bit here and there of different things. So when I first started hearing people talk about shamanism, I could only imagine my own, my own family heritage. And I was just completely open to seeing other people and uh, potentially seeing something completely different from what uh, I was used to. But when there, there are some people that they're very excited about the thought of being a shaman, so they're very enthusiastic about it. Um, but there's other people that I've met recently who every, almost everything that they're talking about, everything they're teaching is spot on what mm-hmm. my uh, great uncle is teaching me. It's crazy and how how similar it all is. And uh, I mm-hmm. talked to my, one of my trainers out here. His name is Don Simmons here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He's a shaman mm-hmm. trainer too. And he was telling me that shaman, the shamanism is that something taught all around the world. And the core beliefs mm-hmm. haven't changed. And everything still kind of held the same. Uh, so that kind of blew my mind for a second because I was thinking, you know, just how differently people speak in different countries varies greatly mm-hmm. and how, uh, yeah, and how different schools and stuff they teach is completely different. But it turns out that shamanism is pretty much the same all around the world if you find mm-hmm. the legitimate kind of core practices. And I went to go ask uh, some family members of mine too, and they said, yes, of course, that makes a lot of sense. Because we believe that mm-hmm. the first shaman to come down here on earth went around the whole world and teaching everybody, not just our people. Mm-hmm. And so that would make mm-hmm. a lot of sense. I found myself um, having, you know, when you meet people, it shows you who you are, right? So I take everything when I meet people to see my response. It's telling me something. So. You know, I have a cousin who works in Nebraska in the tribes. Like she works with uh, children uh, rights and making sure that the children are aligned, uh, if at all possible, with members of the tribes in order to preserve a heritage that at one point in time was absolutely targeted by our government for destruction in terms of taking away the true cultural observations and practices of Native children during the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And there's a lot of movement to kind of answer those harms that have been done and to acknowledge what that disconnection from continuity has done to those generations of natives who grew up in foster care and, you know, taken away from their family unit and all of that. And I found myself kind of being like, oh, you know, cultural appropriation, as we say. But as I grew and kind of delved into it further, realizing that I may be feeling a connection to something because in another lifetime, 
I was uh, connected in a culture where shamanism was what we did. So it's not that I'm trying to co-opt or steal or, you know, uh, and I'm not talking about like wearing Native American costumes at, at Halloween time, you know what I'm saying? But um, that there is a continuity of the soul that is kind of coming forward now where people are by the hundreds and thousands seeking the shaman path, right? And I feel that that's a really a return of an energy that my 3D self just was seeing as compartmentalized, that we're separate, 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 when the truth is we're not separate and we're connected to each other through lifetimes and practices and things of that nature. So I kind of had to soften my somewhat <laughs> militant <laughs> views that I discovered within myself because I felt wrong because I'm like, well, what right do I have to say I'm going to go study to be a shaman when I'm not a Native American? You know, so what you talked about, how uh, all cultures kind of have their version of what shamanism is, is also part of that kind of reconciling the idea. And, you know, that's just a slice of my personal kind of like growth around the issue. <laughs> That's why I wanted to know if you had any particular, you know, feelings about it. Now, the term shaman, as you understand and practice it, what does that mean and encompass for you? Right. Uh, So, for me, the term shaman is not somebody who believes that shamans exist, but the term shaman is like a title that you bestow upon somebody that has different gifts and abilities, like you wouldn't say that people who believe in medicine are doctors. Oh, somebody's a doctor because they are, they studied, they they were gifted, and that they achieved the title. So to me, a shaman is somebody who connects to the spiritual world. Primarily, the they have two objectives here. The well, mainly really one objective, which is to uh, help people, and they do it in two primarily different ways. The first way is the spiritual way. And so if there's something spiritually wrong with the person, with either their spirit or any kind of spirits around the, the home or around them, then the shaman will go into the spiritual world and also speak to that spirit, uh, ask maybe what's wrong, what's going on, or find out what the problem is. If, if the spirit is just weak, you find out how, how can we treat the spirit because it's like if you see somebody at your home that's sick and weak, you ask them what's wrong, and you try to help them to find out what the symptoms of the spirit is and try to treat them. Now, the other way is more the normal way that you might see, too. So it's with herbs, it's with medicine, it's to heal the body because you always want to find the source of the problem. You never want to uh, jump to conclusions. So both the body and the spirit are connected, and the mind as well. So if something is wrong with a person, then you use the best option, which is sometimes medicine or sometimes it's through a ceremony. And so what we typically call the spiritual ceremony in our language is called, we call it Nang. So to do Nang is is called to O Nang, which is to call, or the shaman goes into the spiritual world to kind of see different things, to see what's going on, to talk to different uh, entities around the area. And also... Um, they they may need to negotiate 
which the shamans were the uh, one of the bridges to the spiritual world and the connections they have. So they may have to negotiate with a spirit. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about this too because uh, I feel like it's missing a lot off topic. Do you mind if I go off a little bit here? No, okay. I'm fascinated. I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, like we were saying, the shaman is the bridge to the spiritual world. And I've always felt like, uh, as a child, like around three or four is when I first started seeing spirits. And so I always watched a lot of scary movies when I was younger. And I remember thinking, a lot of these are really dumb. These, This is not how this happens. And so because this isn't how it happens at all, it's not scary. But recently, Hollywood has been making some crazy scary and accurate or realistic spiritual horror ghost movies. And so one of them that I wanted to talk about is called Insidious 3. Uh, so City of basically what, what happens... Here, I'm sorry, could you repeat the name oh, of it? I didn't catch the City of what? Oh, yeah. Insidious. Like a sinister... Oh, theme, Insidious. The word insidious. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Insidious is the, it's the third movie that I wanted to talk about because the first two are oh, pretty good too, but the third one, I feel like if you're a shaman, you know exactly, exactly what they're talking about. So what happens in the movie is that the the there's a family and there's a teenage girl, and I think she gets hit by a car or something like that, and she breaks her leg. So it turns out that there was a bad spirit already living near her area, already living in the apartment. Once she got hit by the car, in our language, we call that which means your spirit has fallen out of you. So in the movie, mm. that's what happens to her because of the the trauma and mainly because of the, the shock and the fright. Your spirit is shocked mm-hmm. out of your body. And at that moment, it's kind of free flo- free floating. And if there's something bad around you, it has the opportunity to take that spirit away from you, which is what happens in the movie. And this is an American movie too, so I was really shocked that they were showing this. And then what happened was, because her spirit was no longer returning to her body, her physical form was getting more and more sick, more and more weak. She started losing uh, ability to move her legs, to move her arms, and to to see. And as a shaman, I'm like, holy cow, that's exactly what we say, too. Mm -hmm. If something Mm -hmm. has your spirit, then you're going to lose a lot of your abilities because your spirit is the one that typically has that life in you, too. And what happened was, uh, they eventually, I don't really want to go into the movie too much, but eventually what happens is uh, the family, somehow they find a, a psychic intuitive person, which I guess is a Hollywood way of saying they found a shaman. It's just that it you know, <laughs> didn't make too much, right. So they find a psychic mm-hmm. to go into the spiritual world to go look for her spirit, and just how they show that there's other spirits just hanging around you in the spiritual world it is amazing because that's how I always see them too. It's not like in the mm-hmm. other Hollywood movies where this spirit only exists to attack you. This spirit only exists because it needs revenge. It's like, no, there's a whole bunch just hanging around sometimes and you just don't see them. So in the movie, they kind of address mm-hmm. that too where there's just a bunch of spirits just hanging out in different rooms. And each room was a different world. If you entered through the room, you'd be in that spirit's world. And I've entered a few different mm-hmm. worlds before, too, so you have to be careful. Eventually, they find the spirit, and you can see that her her spirit, the one that got captured, 
is all bounded and tied up. And so because her legs, mm-hmm. the spiritual legs were bounded, she couldn't walk. Because her arms were bounded, she couldn't use her arms. And because her eyes were blindfolded spiritually, she couldn't see. And they had to go mm-hmm. rescue her and bring her soul back to, to revive her. And I thought that the whole entire, watching, the whole entire time watching that, I was like, not only is this hmm. like, really similar to what a shaman would do, but this is really similar to what I always see all the time. And I can never really mm-hmm. tell people because they would either A, think that I was crazy, or B, think that mm-hmm. it was a lame ghost story that I just told them because no, there's no action. But I'm like, it doesn't need to be action. It's just ghosts just hanging around. Mm-hmm. And that could be scary too because imagine, right, if you're just hanging around and then you had your spirit falling out. And there just happens to be maybe an athlete that's buried right next to you. Boom. Takes the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I mean, know what your original question I, was. I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm listening to, we were talking about the shaman's work, right? And so that's attacking a lot of stuff as you're talking about it. A, I don't watch scary movies. I just don't because, you know, I I was never allowed to watch it. I find myself too susceptible to the imageries and everybody's like, oh, it's all fake. And I'm like, well, again, there's messaging and things that are happening by the machine that is capitalizing on our energy in these movies. So to sit and allow myself to be horrified for two hours, it's just not something I want to give my energy to. And so when you're talking about like there's a whole spiritual realm of beings that don't necessarily have labels. Like people would say, oh, there's entities, there's uh, corporal beings, there's discarnates, there's all kind of language. But the fact is that there's such a variety of of things that we don't even through our human necessarily uh, way of viewing them are able to distinguish them anyway, or the distinguishments are really meaningless on this side because the effect, the net effect, if it's, say, a energy drain on you is that it's a negative being regardless of what you're calling it, you know. Um, and so the whole soul retrieval, that phrase is something that I had heard, uh, um, and that's the shaman's job is to go into the various realms of of the planes, the underworld, the overworld, the middle world, all those, to go into there and that you receive specific training on on entering and exiting those places. As you said, you've encountered places where you go into that reality or construct that that being or energy is holding within the realm, if that's kind of, I think I'm making sense there. Um Mm-hmm. And yeah, that it actually is a challenging work for you to do that one should not attempt to do without knowing um, how to get in, how to get out safely, how not to bring things back or to be sterile or sanitized afterwards, um, you know, in terms of clearing um, yourself. and. The idea is that most of us would probably be horrified if we existed in the reality like where you said you see all this kind of stuff already happening and a horror movie is what was used to convey it, you know, that the average soul or person doesn't have the constitution to really deal with and they would wind up curled in a fetal position in their room like, oh, my God, (laughs) if you realize what kind of soup we walk through all the time. 
Right. And I know personally I haven't had shamanic journeys that help me understand pieces of myself, uh, especially if you're looking at the inner child. So much things happen to children that is wounding to them on a soul level that those soul fragments, uh, a lot of people then have to approach that as they reach middle age when they're trying to heal the wounded inner child. Do you encounter the the child soul self aspect more frequently than other soul aspects in your shamanic work? Hmm. I'm sorry, uh, Joel, but uh, could you phrase that in a different way? Well, well, like in, so in the movie, you said she was a teenager, right, who was in mm-hmm. an accident. And so, like, children are oftentimes harmed or they experience traumas, hurts to themselves that cause part of the soul then to fragment. And so when you begin to be like an adult and you're looking at healing yourself and your core wounds, um, I always tell people they should probably see a shaman who can help them retrieve pieces that happen maybe before they even realize that they were fragmented. If you're like seven years old and you're traumatized by a little spirit uh, experience and part of your soul self says, oh, we can't deal with this and retreats to an area. And it may not even be like in the movie you talk about the child being kind of bound up. In in some cases, they say that the soul fragment is just there because it's more comforting than having been in the body at the time that the trauma occurred to them as a child. Are you encountering uh, child, like children, inner child work as your shamanic healing services? Yeah, so that's actually something that happens quite frequently here, especially here in America Mm -hmm. where we don't really focus too much on spiritual work anymore. Uh, And unfortunately, it's already happened to some of my people too, the Hmong people. I know uh, we are people that are... I don't want to say the word is a little gifted, but it does seem that we are, we typically have a higher rate of spiritual, spiritually aware people. And so I've seen it too, but unfortunately coming here, they are not being taught either, kind of like how I wasn't really following being taught. The whole, inter, the whole integration process of coming here in America has lost a lot of information. But what was going on is that I, I noticed a friend of mine who, he is very powerful. He was able to uh, protect himself. Uh, okay, so I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of how to best explain this. So there's a way to protect yourself, to defend yourself and everything in the spiritual world. And so naturally, he was really gifted in being able to have the protection uh, set up around himself. And, but every night as a child, he thought it was fun to go battle these spirits. He wasn't even a, a shaman yet. He didn't get any training. Mm. But it was fun for him to go and battle all these things. And so at night, his parents would help hear him rolling around and uh, just moving around all kind of weird and stuff. They would ask him, what are you doing? And he said that he was fighting spirits and that he would invite them to come and battle with him. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's great that he was having fun, but that should have been a pretty big red flag already because what ended up happening mm-hmm. was he would fight them all the time. But then he it would be a night before he'd go to sleep. So whenever he went to sleep and he wasn't consciously trying to fight them anymore, that's when they would actually come in and slowly kind of deteriorate him and 
uh, drain his energy, drain his spirit. So now uh, he's much older, and he has a lot of what we would call a mental problem, but in reality, he never exemplified any of these traits before, and there are traits that kind of show like a spiritual, I don't want to say the word damage, but spiritual infliction. Mm -hmm. So if this is to have been addressed early on, he could have been a very powerful shaman, or at least something could have happened to him to seal off the, the spiritual world for him to protect him, to be safer, because he kept on inviting them every night to, to battle with them. And also, mm-hmm. uh, for for myself, I don't really know how I kind of got away with it, maybe just through luck, but uh, growing up, I saw a ton of spirits and everything too, it's just... I guess by chance there just happened to not be too many uh, that were of the darker entities. And when mm-hmm. they did, when the darker ones did eventually show up because they will, uh, if you leave children alone who are ex- like especially gifted this way, by the time they came to me, I already kind of knew how to protect myself, how to do things on my own with my energy, with my spirit, with my spirit guides too. And so they couldn't really mm-hmm. fully get to me. But there are people, and I have another friend who is who's about ten years older than me now. He was a good mm-hmm. friend. He was a great mentor, and he would always show me around through life. But I always knew that something was a little bit off with him, and I didn't really want to bring up the whole spiritual world too much with him too. So I kind of just kept this away. Um, well, what ended up happening was he just broke down one day, out of the blue, he just kind of broke down one day, and he was having all these panic attacks and anxiety and I, I I should have told him I should have told him a little bit earlier but what was happening was because he was so just not spiritually aware but he was putting himself into a lot of negative uh, negative places negative energy wise then what was happening was he was trying to help people by training them by coaching them like he was kind of like a life coach but he would take on very mm-hmm. difficult cases without being able to spiritually protect himself. So almost mm. every day, all day, he would be arguing a battle with all these different people, putting himself into those really negatively charged areas. So what happened was eventually negative spirits became attached to him. What the spirits want is our energy because they are no longer living. They mm-hmm. still require energy. And we require energy as well, but we can still generate it. We can make energy through food, through through our bodies. And so that's what they don't have. They don't have our bodies to make energy. But what they try to do is take it from us. So then eventually they mm-hmm. start taking it from him, and he kind of just lost it. And I, I tried to help him when it was a little too late, but everybody that I knew, as soon as I asked them to do a reading from our friend, everybody knew right away. Oh, this person mm-hmm. is a little beyond our normal help and we would have to do a full ceremony on him but uh, Mm -hmm. no offense or anything but he was Caucasian so he didn't really fully want to go through with it or to believe in it and I just let him be because you don't want to do anything half-hearted you don't want to do anything just right because that opens the door and that can hurt both him and the person trying Mm -hmm. to help him because if he it's like opening the door to go to the spiritual world to go find the spirit if the spirit that is harming him, doesn't want to let him go, then mm-hmm. you have to do negotiations. You have to ask, okay, well, 
did he do something to you? What, do we have to rectify something? Do we have to ask for forgiveness? Okay, if it, then if, if he did wrong you, then we'll do this and this for you. But if he didn't wrong you and you are just holding on to him, then can we give you, can we bribe, basically, can we bribe you? Can we give you this and this and this for exchange for the spirit back? And so that's mm-hmm. the second option. The third option is that if they still don't want to give the spirit back and if they don't have a particular uh, personal reason for it, then that is when the shaman will actually have to go in and he'll actually have to use his weapons, his abilities to combat the spirit. And so I, mm. it may be a spirit, or it may be just a negative entity, so I don't really want to use, uh, I don't really want to specify because it's like what you're saying, it's a very broad term. But uh, so the three methods is negotiation, is uh, payment. And so payment, we often do that in the form of a tribute through uh, paper money that we burn. Um, and there's also uh, animal uh, tribute too. So basically, we end up just eating the animals afterwards. And then the third way is a little bit more dangerous, where you do have to have the shaman. Uh, so it depends on how the shaman likes to do it in a certain way. My master, he has a sword that he has too, so he uses that. It's a literal sword that he uses. And you mm-hmm. go and you come back to the spirit. But mm. there's there's like a like so that's the part spirit battling part. But for most of the times, a good example of negotiations is I have a cousin who can I get into a story? Is that okay? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so <laughs> I have a cousin, and one day my cousin, my two cousins, and their friend were going out fishing. In the middle of the woods, they we like to find new hidden areas inside the woods. So they'll take the the uh, you know the un, unpaved paths all the time. And so mm-hmm. what happened was they're cutting through a bunch of random forestry one time. They've come to find a doll in the park, and already that's immediately creepy to find a doll hidden deep mm-hmm. inside the forest. And but being uh, about teenage guys, because I think they're about 18, 19, they, for some reason, just decided, oh, let's just kick this thing around and, and mess around with it. So they ended up tossing it, kicking it, and doing a whole bunch of really weird dumb stuff to it. And what ended up happening was, at night, when he came back home, every night, he would hear a knocking on his door. He would hear it kicking on his wall. And is basically the spirit mm-hmm. extracting revenge on him, trying to break into the house. His family, they had protection too, but because he had this personal connection to it, it was trying to get mm-hmm. through and it was kicking down the barriers pretty much. Eventually what happened was that they, the, the noises, the, the shakings, everything became too intense. So they ended up calling a shaman to come and do a ceremony on them. And the shaman said, hey, the spirit says, it used to reside in a doll, and you guys found them in the forest. Shaman did everything that happened because they asked the spirit. And they're like, oh, my goodness, how did mm-hmm. you know that? And the shaman's like, well, because I asked the spirit what you did. And so what we'll have to do now is that 
well, we, I can't seem to pacify her. Apology doesn't seem to be doing too much. So all we can do is try to trap her back into the doll's body because it's outside the body right now of the doll. So not only do we have to trap it in there, but we have to seal the body inside of a box too to make sure that doesn't that nothing happens to it. And also we have to then send that body or in the box down a river because the river is also like a gateway to another world. It's, it's the water is very mm-hmm. spiritual. Water water is very healing as well. Mm-hmm. So we have to send the spirit onward. So they ended up finding the doll again out in the middle of the woods. They come back, they perform the ceremony, and when they put the doll, when they picked up the doll, they said that this thing was probably the size of, you know, your hand, this doll was. But when they tried to pick it up, it took two guys to to pick the doll Mm -hmm. up and put it in a box Mm -hmm. because for some reason it felt like it was the weight of a fully adult person. And it still took Mm -hmm. two people to carry the box to go ahead and set it into the river too. And the strange thing was the night that they did that, I actually had a dream and I was seeing it all happen. And I had talked to them uh, a couple of days later, which is the only reason why I found out that this happened was because I saw them carrying it uh, and saw them mm. trying to put it into the river. Yeah. So yeah, he ended up telling me everything. Uh, but yeah, so the shaman, he first found out the first thing is you try to find out why are they there. Second thing is mm-hmm. okay, you know, can we, well the first thing is why why are you here, and can we do anything to you know apologize or to get everything back to okay? If you can't, then okay, well what can I give you? What can I do to appease you? And so, you know, she didn't want anything. So there is to kind of combat it, but he found a way to to not have to. I don't want to use the term destroy, but it's more like to send it off, to send off the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, they would have just stopped at the box because you can create a new home for the person. You can, you can create a spiritual home and have the spirit live there, but that's not what the spirit wanted. The spirit wanted not only revenge, but also a good opportunity to take a lot of energy too. Yeah. Uh, so sorry, I got it's, into that type story right there. Well, it's so interesting because um, when you listen to the examples of shamanic work, it certainly is not something that is a light, a lightly taken undertaking. If you mean, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, to be engaged in an area where there are energies um, of different degrees and shades of light and darkness. Um, I could see why, you know, say your uncle or another person presented with the weight of, well, now you have this mantle that you are going to carry forward and you're going to be doing this, you know, and it's like, wait, hold on a second. I didn't agree, you know, like on some level you say from your 3D self, who signed me up for this? And, you know, your soul is like, well, hey, we got this. It's not really a problem. It's just you think it's a problem, but, you know, soul self sees from the highest perspective. But I can see why it is a daunting task 
to say, because I'm sure there is a degree of, if you said, if it's reaching a point where you're negotiating or using a, a sword in spirit and in truth to engage the spirits, that's not just your your typical uh, numerologist, <laughs> you know, who's reading your numbers. That's like a heavier responsibility. Um, I know, right. like for myself, when they've said, well, you're a medium, a lot of my closing off of my ability in that area is because I'm like, you know what, I've heard enough about that from people who do uh, entity removal, who do house clearings, who do shamanic soul retrieval, who do like really spiritual work that's of a high level. And I'm like, I don't want to do that if that's what it means. <laughs> you know, so I know that, you know, my response to that has been as an adult even to pull back and for you at like age 30 to say well not only do I have an awareness of this but it's part of my then calling of who I am to accept this ability and then to learn everything I possibly can about it so that I can do more of it and do it better that's no small feat uh, you know to say and so I I tip my hat to you and others like you who are doing that necessary work for people out through the ages and well, certainly in this current time. Well, yeah, that's why you got to watch scary movies. But uh, you get your body. I know. <laughs> I can't even do it. My friends would be dying laughing right now if they said, we don't go to scary movies with her because nobody gets to watch the movie. But um, one thing that I did notice about um, shamanism, it seems that there is more of a connection to the natural world, the forest the trees, the plants, the water, uh, the elements, um, animals are oftentimes present during assisting the shaman, you know, with your spirit animal or your totem animal. Is the pathway that, of shamanism that you are coming through, is it also very integrated with nature? So we do have a lot of different aspects of nature involved as well, especially with the animals and the plants and everything too. However, I feel that uh, from what I've seen so far that, well, the, I don't want to say it's an American shaman, but just the teachings I've learned so far from this side of the coin, it focuses a lot more on animal spirit guides than they do mm-hmm. uh, from what we do. Because with us, our, we believe that our people, we have that bond with the family spirit already. So the mm-hmm. family spirit is getting energy from every single uh, family member that is alive. So the bigger your clan is, the mm-hmm. more family members you have, the more powerful that spirit of your family is and the more that they can do for you. So we don't really need to call upon the spirits of the wolf or the bear. who They're great spirits too, and they exist here in the wild. But we have one that is kind of specialized to, to help us versus going out to go meet somebody else out there to ask them for help because this one is not only been there since we were born, but they have a personal stake in our well-being too because we have a contract to work with them and we have access to not only that one spirit of the family, but the, their whole entire entourage of spirits too. So there's like 
there's a spirit army, there are different spirit bodyguards that we have access to too. So we don't really rely too much on the totems, but we do have okay. something similar, which is the family altar, which has different uh, ancestors that are still there to help communicate with the spirits too and to kind of help bring everything together. And, mm-hmm. uh, but in respect to nature, yes. So the shamans are still very uh, in tune with nature uh, in our culture as well. And even my grandma, the, the one that passed away when I was very young, she was she had this medicine that was really amazing. And at the time, I was a kid, so I had no idea that this was not a normal thing. But her medicine did amazing. Basically, what happened was uh, I was running around outside, and there was a bunch of gravel, and I was still like four or five, whatever. And, you know, kids are super clumsy, so I, so I slid on the gravel, and I got this huge uh, scrape from my knee all the way up to my hip. It was one big, huge scrape. You could see, like, all this blood just kind of gushing all out. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you know what a tiger mom is, but mm-hmm. basically, yeah. So my mom is a tiger mom, basically. That's just an Asian mom who is very, very hard mm-hmm. on you and it's very hard mm-hmm. to take. So mm-hmm. my mom, anytime you got hurt, anytime anything happened to you, the first reaction will always be to hit you. So I was like, oh, man, I got hurt. So not only is she going to she gonna smack me for getting hurt, but I had I was bleeding so much that it was soaking through my shorts. And I was like, oh, man, and I'm soaking my shorts. And my mom was going to be so mad. So... I tried to hide it as best as I could that I was, like, gushing out of the blood. And then uh, mm-hmm. what happened was my grandma came up to me. I don't know how she always knows when I'm in trouble, but she knew I was in trouble. <laughs> so she comes up to me. She's like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, grandma, I'm okay. And then she sees it. She's like, oh, my God, you're bleeding like crazy. And I was like, yeah, but don't tell mom. She's like, okay, come here. So she takes out this little tin can, and it's filled with all this, uh, this balm. And she just takes it and she just spreads it all over my cut. And I think within the next day or maybe the day after, the cut was completely healed. And there was not mm. even a scab. There was, there's not even a scar. And this is pretty deep cut too. So the fact that it mm-hmm. healed pretty much, it seemed like 24 hours, is really amazing. But as a kid, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of stuff is, must be normal because nobody seems to making a big fuss out of it. Like an eye. I wish mm-hmm. yeah. I wish now though that I would have asked her, how do you make this? Because I have no idea and that would be amazing to have right now. Mm. Do you find yourself bringing in knowledge of certain herb craft just when you're like say looking at the herb wall at Phoenix and Dragon? Do you kind of have an innate connection that you're able to tap into? Well, I have an innate gift for different plants, but it doesn't really go into medicine. I feel like I'm a pretty good, I'm a pretty decent crafter of delicacies. So when I cook, like, Mm -hmm. I can just kind of sense, this is going to be good. This is going to be really good. And different family members Mm -hmm. are, always kind of look at me like, what the heck are you making? I'm like, don't worry about it. 
this is going to be really good. <laughs> but I don't know. Sometimes it's just a calling towards, like, different spices and stuff, and you're like, I don't even know what this is, but I feel like if I eat this, it's going to be really yummy. Uh, so mm-hmm. that kind of thing, I do have kind of a, an attraction to these kind of things. Yeah. Uh, but that's the strange thing is... <laughs> a, oh, go mm-hmm. ahead. No, go ahead. The strange oh, thing is... Oh, I was just going to say that. The strange thing was... Um, so I'm learning... Uh, shamanism from um, a train a teacher here too named Dan Simmons and so we were kind of drawing cards and one of the cards that I had for my animal spirit guide was the hummingbird and so the thing about oh. the hummingbird is that <laughs> yeah the hummingbird spirit guide is really good for uh, herbal remedies because it is the the bird that actually drinks pollen and eats pollen like it intakes mm-hmm. pollen too. And uh, it's actually a very good spirit guide because it's, a lot of people think that, oh, you know, it's a tiny bird, but it's really good for protection as well because the hummingbird is actually a fairly aggressive, uh, a fairly aggressive animal. It has really, it has the best maneuverability of any bird, allowing it to be able to outmaneuver other birds. It has a really quick uh, flight as well. So if you ever mess up a hummingbird, then, yeah, you might get pecked a lot. And you wouldn't be able to catch it because it just moves too fast. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm yeah. giggling because <laughs> this week the hum well not even just this week but the hummingbird is a significant animal messenger uh, for one of my closest friends like my sister friend and for many years there since her kind of awakening the hummingbird is always presenting itself like even when she came to visit me I was in Mexico for a time and the hummingbirds came to the flowers around my patio while she was visiting and so there's a hummingbird mug in the cabin I mean hummingbirds are the topic of the week and I know we just talked about hummingbirds earlier today so when you said hummingbird I'm like oh what (laughs) I love it when things are synchronistic because it's not random to me at all it's always very significant and so I think that's beautiful. That's why I just put a big smile on my face. I know that uh, my crew of friends will get a kick out of it when they hear this on the show later on. Uh, and, of course, as you talk about the the uh, lightness and strength uh, of the hummingbird, they're quite miraculous. Like I'm par with bumblebees. Bumblebees and hummingbirds are like the versions of each other within their species. Uh, they shouldn't be able to do what they do, but what they do is so essential to our uh, environment that we would not have anything without either of them, <laughs> you know. So that's super beautiful. <laughs> super beautiful. Oh, yeah. yeah. So this One of the things that, that um, too, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so just another a uh, quick hummingbird fact, but the thing is that uh, hummingbirds are also very important to uh, pollination, just like how you said hum- uh, bumblebees were too. But the only thing is that hummingbirds, they can go into the colder temperatures that the cold-blooded insects like bumblebees can't go into. So hummingbirds mm-hmm. being warm-blooded can reach all those mountainous flowers and can reach all those uh, mm-hmm. further north uh, areas to pollinate that. And uh, another connection that I just made right now is that since hummingbirds can go into the colder mountains, it's kind of interesting because my people were actually called the mountain people as well. So just mm. it was a weird connection. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. I take those threads of information and they always wind up weaving a picture that is beautiful once it comes into perspective. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some kind of that for her uh, later. Now, I want to share with you, we have some callers who've been waiting on the line this evening and have indicated they would like to join the conversation. Now, for those of you who've been waiting uh, for a psychic reading, this evening we're not going to have that as part of the show. However, we will be providing information for you if you want to connect with Rocky for a reading later. So uh, for those of you who are still on the line, I'm going to start checking in and see if you have a question about the topics that Rocky has been sharing this evening. So I have a caller ending in extension 0073. You're on the Psychic Inside Show. Did you have a question for Rocky or were you holding for a reading? Oh, <laughs> I think we got somebody who might have uh, fallen into a bit of a snooze <laughs> on the show because I think yeah. I heard snoring. <laughs> so, and the other call was dropped. So, I thank you for listening. You know, as I said, this show is not focused on psychic readings. I appreciate all the listening listeners who are here for that. Um, however, this is really about talking about these stories and, and coming into acceptance of all that you are. So um, we do try to announce when there is going to be a reading opportunity available. And uh, as I said this evening, that's not part of the programming. But Rocky, you are also a palm reader. Now, I've only met, like, one other palm reader. I absolutely adore her. Her name is uh, Cassandra Hanna. I also met her at the Psychic at the Blue Barn many, many years ago, and her interview was just recent, uh, maybe three weeks ago I had her on the show, and she actually was a generational palm reader. She said her father read palms, but he passed away before she ever even really knew that about him. It wasn't until, like, later in her life that she kind of picked up the study of palms because she'd always been fascinated by them. How did you come to palm reading? Oh, uh, well, palm reading to me was just really interesting because, you know, I was having all these spiritual kind of things happen to me too. And so I figured, hey, my grandma, they, she can do her own readings too. So I'm going to find uh, my own way to do readings. So I, pick a, I picked up a palmistry book one day and I learned all the different mm -hmm. lines and what everything means, other markings in your hands mean. But and so I started practicing all the time. So it started when I was early middle school, and I just did it with friends. And each year, people would come back, and we just kind of had fun doing it. Uh, so all throughout middle school to high school, and when I was in middle school, they're like, hey, this is fine. When I was in high school, they're like, hey, you're getting pretty good at this. And in college, you're mm -hmm. like, you are getting really, really scary and good at this. Uh, but the thing mm. was, the palmistry, knowing the lines, knowing all the different markings, that's a big part of it too. But that's not the the all end all. Because whenever I do a mm -hmm. reading, it, it's kind of like the idea of the crystal ball. The crystal ball is mm -hmm. a tool to help you hone into a person, hone in and kind of block everything else out. So people's hands are like my crystal ball, which helps mm. you to tune into them and to, to to receive the visions and everything too. So I don't need to have the palms here, but it does help me. It's kind of like having your glasses. You know, if you have really bad vision, mm. you sometimes you mm -hmm. need your glasses. 
right? And so, uh, but the thing is, my grandma actually she knew different methods, and I kind of wish I had, had learned from what she was, what she did too before she passed away. That oh, that sorry, you know institutional. Well, I think that 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 knowledge of generations. It's like everybody when say everybody loves Nana's macaroni and cheese. And nobody figures out how to make Nana's macaroni and cheese, and Nana passes away. Then there's a hole in the family when everybody's like, "Oh, you know, Aunt So and So, she make a good macaroni and cheese, but it just isn't like Nana's," you know. And we talk about that jokingly, but like preserving knowledge, you do have to kind of grow up in the kitchen with Nana making it with her because she's not using a recipe. <laughs> she's using her knowledge of how she made her macaroni and cheese all her life, you know, and uh, that disconnect then where no one's now in the kitchen with Nana gathering and learning and observing. And you certainly have relayed that you feel a loss from not necessarily having as much conversation in this reality with your ancestors as recent as your grandmothers. Now, the connection that you talk about with the family who has departed, um, you know, the Mayans are very much like that, that the most recent departed ancestors are the ones who are like in the branches of the tree closest over your community in the ancestral tree, and the further out the branches are going to the tips, those are the eldest of the eldest of the eldest, and that there is a continuity of that, that there is no end to the branches of the tree. When you're in that kind of dynamic, one thing that I had been taught is that when connecting with the ancestral realm, that there are people in your family who, though you love them, you would not necessarily let them babysit your kids or you wouldn't necessarily bring them into your family business as a business partner because they weren't good with money. But those kind of dynamics also can exist in the afterlife where, say, maybe the soul is still learning lessons rather than having got to a vibration of uh, highest, like, unconditional love. And so the teaching is that you would want to make sure you're only connecting with the higher vibrational aspects of your family continuity. Is this a teaching that or an understanding that is your pathway or it's really just like this clan of energy and it's all invested in the good of the family forward and any degree it doesn't matter? Actually, Does that, what you, the first part, the first part of what you said actually makes a lot of sense to me because what happens is that once you, well, in our shaman beliefs, is, is that once you pass away, that you return to the other side, the spiritual world. And so what happens is that there is still time for reincarnation. Each reincarnation, you learn things here on earth that you get to take those lessons into the next life too. So each time you reincarnate, you're, you're building yourself spiritually up even more as a spirit, as a soul. But what happens sometimes too is that the younger spirits or sometimes uh, the lessons don't get learned and so the spirits of our ancestors may be in a little bit of a predicament. And so we periodically, about three times a year, will have to 
communicate with them and just kind of do a checkup on everybody on the other side, like, hey, how are you doing? Uh, because it is pretty much a spiritual world, very similar to ours. And, uh, remember at the beginning when I was saying spirits are all around you. It's basically mm-hmm. like your their world exists just like how ours exists. So we go check up on them. Hey, how are you doing? How's your spiritual health? How's your home? How's your finances? If their health is not okay, then we try to help give them tributes and everything too. If their finances are not okay, then we have our paper money ceremony that we burn for them too. If their house is not okay, then we'll try to help fix their houses. And sometimes they'll tell us too, hey, you know, uh, something happened to my gravestone. Could you guys go and like check that out, this out? And so we went to go do that a couple of times already. It turns out that uh, the trees around my grandma's gravestone were going over the whole entire thing. So we had to go trim it a little bit and to go clear mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff off of the, the stone as well. So there's mm. a growing path for them too. And interestingly, uh, my grandma that passed away, she, I think, well, I felt really bad for her because I think she is the one who uh, has a, the hardest time. Because mm. when she passed away was when we kind of lost a lot of knowledge in the family of, of what to actually do with shaman. So she's basically mm-hmm. on the spiritual advice herself, like, hey, you guys, how come you guys aren't doing this? How come nobody's doing this? I need help. I need help. And for years, mm-hmm. she was asking for help. She went to various, various people. She came to me. She came to my cousins. She even came to my mom. And she was, mm-hmm. And the strange thing was, we didn't really tell each other about these visions, these dreams. But each, each vision, each dream that we all had was exactly the same exact scenario that we had never experienced mm. in real life before. But each time she came to us, it was this really weird sequence of events that happened the same exact way with each person seeing her. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's only been recently now that I've, because I've been doing psychic readings for ever since I was young, but it's only been recently that I've been stepping up into the role of being the shaman of the family to be the spiritual bridge for the family to that connection. And some of them recently that I've been mm-hmm. able to actually understand how to actually help her, how to actually do things. Because before, we were all kind of scared and just clutching to ourselves, hoping that things would magically get better and that, you know, we're, we might just be crazy and we're all just all collectively having the same dream for some reason and it would just go away. But <laughs> it, wasn't until, right, it wasn't until recently where I was able to help her a little bit more. And the thing is, after helping her, not only did that kind of alleviate a lot of the uh, visions and the emotions that we've been getting, but I, maybe my, my own imagination, but I think that our family started doing a little bit better too. Uh, a lot of people are mm-hmm. starting to get more blessings, more abundance. And so I, I think that's her on her side being like, hey, okay, fine, finally. Thank you. Somebody's mm-hmm. helped me, and now I can do my job on the other side, which is to help protect and, and bless you guys, too. Mm-hmm. That's just really beautiful. I, I think it's so fascinating uh, because each of us is having a very unique experience, and it's only when you sit down and 
ask people <laughs> that you find out, wow, you know, this is fascinating, it's interesting, and I'm enlarged by having this conversation with you, you know. Um, the the whole topic of epigenetics, is that term familiar to you at all? That sounds very familiar. Is there a synonym that you could use for that? Well, epigenetics, it's like I see it all over now in TED Talks, and it's basically that there are traumas that experience generations after the actual thing in the actual DNA level functioning of the cells and the body. So by that, it would say that like Holocaust survivors of uh, Jewish Holocaust in um, Europe, that the survivors or the, those children and grandchildren and now we're like to the great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren, that there are changes that are presenting like depressions and mental health challenges that are not related to actual experiences of the beings in this particular lifetime, but they are inherited traumas uh, that then expressed because of it. Um, and they say things like if you had, um, of course, the 400 years of slavery for the African-American people in this country, that there are things now that genetically they can trace the markers to say, well, these are a result of the trauma of separation, the trauma of generations of rape, the trauma of generations of slave, enslavement, um, that if you experienced a famine, let's say, for a period of time in Ireland, like if you lost two or three generations due to the famine and not being able to feed yourself, that your cellular biology changes in order to try to compensate for the nutrition that you did not get. And so in your current life, you may actually manifest imbalances based on cellular responses to things that you don't even know about. And science is just now kind of putting those pieces together and validating that, yes, there is such a thing as inherited trauma response. When you look at it from the perspective of your clan and the preservation and the continued involvement of your ancestors in the spirit realm to try to guide forward to the highest vibration possible, the DNA, the seed, the biology of your family, to me that is the psychic version of what is happening in science. And the fact that both of these areas, you know, epigenetics is becoming like the key hot topic and more and more people are stepping into psychic connections, connecting with spirit realm, connecting with ancestors and loved ones, that that's part of that healing um, that is needing to happen in this present age. And that's really why we're all here as soul selves to participate in the improvement for those going forward. And stories like yours just kind of validate my feeling about that because you're actively connecting back through four generations to your great-great-grandmother and then beyond through the practices that you're not only trying to learn, but trying to learn more of and then pass on to your nieces and nephews and things. So I'm sure that they, being future versions of your family already now living, 
I'm sure that there will be an embracing of that, that it's probably going to be easier for them to embrace than it was, say, for your uncle's generation or for you even to be able to step more fully into awareness without some of the challenges. Uh, you're already 30 and stepping fully into things. And to me, that's a signal that we definitely are moving out of the lower vibration into higher vibrational reality. Right. So I actually really love this topic here because uh, at a point in time, I did consider myself atheist and so I only believe in um, science. And so with the epigenetics here, it's the study of the organisms and the modification of genes expressed rather than the, the idea that genes are actually being altered. altered. So I think that's really fascinating because what is the difference between spiritual energy and for science calls energy? It's still energy. An electron mm-hmm. is still energy. And that's just how and the genes are just how we are coded so that energy can flow through it. So, mm-hmm. you know, how they say energy can never be created or destroyed. Well, where does it go? Mm-hmm. Does it just disappear? I think that's where we as the part of the psychics and the shamans and the spiritualists, we believe that that energy continues forward and it continues moving on. So mm-hmm. uh, there's been a lot of different uh, talk about this before too with epigenetics and how DNA is kind of the, or at least genes being expressed inside DNA is how we can all connect to our different past and we can actually go back into it. But it's not the whole entire process of unraveling the DNA how the energy kind of flows through it. And we, it wasn't too long ago that we discovered that the heart has a biomagnetic field. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you can actually feel people's emotions. Mm-hmm. And before that, we just thought mm-hmm. that it was uh, a sight, a fully, purely sight-based uh, phenomenon where you see somebody crying, oh, I can, I remember how I felt when I was crying and I cried too. No, it, they're saying that with that biomagnetic heart field, that you can feel that person's emotion. It is being transferred to you. So energy is being transferred yes. from one person to another. Yeah. And so it's yes. not, it, to me, it's not completely out of the picture at all to say that energy is being passed down through heritage, through family. And what we may call it spirit, they, science may see that, oh, okay, well, that's being, trans, that's being coded uh, to be received through the body. It's like an antenna. The body is the antenna for the energy, which is the radio. Uh, we see mm-hmm. the radio waves as spirit, and science is looking at it from a different perspective. Here. And I think that what's going to happen, too, is that we're going to start to discover that, uh, I don't know, have you heard of, uh, I forgot what the name was, but there's a the belief that humans, as we evolve, we're going to unlock more strands of DNA. We're going to mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. unlock... Right, so I think it's because our DNA has to uh, unravel and evolve a little bit more too. We have what's called yes. junk DNA at the end end of our uh, strands here. Uh, I'm sorry not to get too science on but pretty much we don't know what this DNA does. But I feel as we uh, mature yes. more as a species, we're going to become able to understand and unlock this ourselves and to realize that we have been so progressive, so focused on the logical side that mm-hmm. we've forgotten what it was that makes us human, which is the heart, mm-hmm. which is the soul. And we need to grow that too. And I see 
And I know that the world is moving towards the heart growth, true spiritual growth, because younger and younger people are starting to awaken to their own abilities, their own gifts too. It's mm-hmm. like the whole world has been waiting a long time for this. And I, I know that yes. uh, the world is starting to exemplify a lot of different things. Like there's a new, uh, there's a new internet challenge. So the internet has a bunch of things they call challenges, which is just kids making videos of themselves mm-hmm. to copy one mm-hmm. another. But the new challenge mm-hmm. is the trash cleaning challenge. And I've been hoping mm. that we've got we get to this part, this point, uh, for a long time. And now I've actually seen people record videos of them doing the cleanup challenge where they'll go to this mm. completely trashed junk place that's been sitting mm-hmm. there for generations and years and they'll go clean up an entire beach and they'll just take pictures of how mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. destroyed it was and how clean it is now and that is the yes. that we're starting to awaken we're, we can feel the heart magnetic field of the earth just like how our heart yes we can feel each other's emotions. We can feel the Earth's emotions, too. And the Earth has been hurting for a very long time. Yes. I love the work of the Heart Math Institute. I recommend people go to heartmath.org all the time because, you know, the intersection of people with scientific background who are approaching the spirit realm in a very acceptable way for the scientist people, you know what I'm saying, with the hypothesis theorem and proving and things of that, they're approaching the science of the heart energy and the heart as the magnetic field of the heart and the synchronicity of the resonances of the earth magnetic field with our body. I mean, it's so exciting that people are having the thought to even begin connecting those dots out in the research uh, area where they're looking at the things like prayer and intention and being able to scientifically begin validating these things that people have had faith statements about for many, many years. Um, all of these things are, and I think I even read that there are children now who are appearing who have some of this DNA, the junk DNA, actually activated. Um, and so the whole labeling of it even as junk is just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's junk, you know what I mean? And that those activations are coming in the younger people, which is why they're at a different frequency that maybe, you know, millennials get a bad rap about a lot of things, but that's more so because they're not buying into the old structures of work or be and just use up the environment. You know, there are young people who are suing for environmental protections who are saying we don't want violence as a way of life. We don't want capitalism as a way of life. We want to just go clean up because it's the right thing to do. I've seen them out buying food and feeding homeless, like feed, pay, pay it forward challenges and things like that. Nobody's telling, their parents aren't telling them to do this, right? It's coming because they've got a natural expression that sometimes defies the logic of their family who's like, we got a little tree hugger here in our family. You know, you'll hear parents say, oh, I don't know where she got this vegetarian thing from, but I can't get her to eat meat to save my life. You know what I'm saying? So I, again, I'm glad to be part of the lifetime that is witnessing this and to be able to be part of it. And, you know, conversations with people like you just give me the biggest boost because I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, this is, uh, A, it's wonderful to have conversations about things that, if you talk with another person, they might 
be calling the little white jacket people for you to say, hey, you might want to have a mental health check. But, you know, in my world and my reality, conversations like this, uh, although unique, are not out of the norm. You know, the stories are unique. The way that people are using their gifts is unique, but it's not uh, woo-woo for us to be talking about psychic, <laughs> clairvoyance, shamanism, soul, energy, ancestors at all. And so I appreciate being able to contact people like yourself and have you come on to talk with me and share, you know, bits of your story with us. Now, for people who want to engage you for spiritual work, what kind of services uh, are you offering? Oh, right. So I have a website. It's called RockyPsychicReading.com. So you can sign up for that, too. And uh, I'll be posting blogs. I'll be posting how I control and how I manipulate energy, too. And just a lot of useful information there for anybody. And also just stories about uh, different things growing up, uh, different ways that we handled uh, spiritual encounters. So if you want to go onto my website, RockyPsychicReading.com, you can check out the blogs, and then you can also sign up for a reading. So I do the psychic readings, too. I can do it over the phone. I can do it uh, through emails, through text messages, or in, live meetings as well, so it can help you read that way. I'm still kind of on my journey to fully master the whole entire shaman uh, title mm-hmm. so that I can eventually mm-hmm. be able to help people myself to step into that role because it's like saying I've been kind of in uh, medical school, but I don't really feel confident yet enough to be considered mm-hmm. a doctor, mm-hmm. so I'm still kind of learning that too. I know how to protect myself, and I know how to do a little bit here and there for other people. So if it's a little bit of work you might need, I can point you into the right direction. If it's not been too big, I could probably help you with that too. But uh, if you have any mm-hmm. kind of spiritual need or assistance, I will be able to check that out for you. But I'll be the first one to let you know if this is a little bit beyond what I'm mm-hmm. currently comfortable with and I'll get you the help you need. But besides that, just uh, look for the, the help through the blog and just to share the communication mm-hmm. experience. You can sign up for a reading. And also, I'll be starting my YouTube channel here. Hopefully, I can get the video up by tomorrow morning. And oh, awesome. we're actually going to talk. About, yeah, we're actually going to be talking about your least favorite subject about about scary movies. So uh, that'll be. <laughs> hey, I can listen to them. Yeah. I just can't watch them. <laughs> right. But there is a lot of symbolism so, and energy and messaging. So I think that it's important for you to be able to provide context for people about what they're seeing. You know, so I think, hey, great idea. I mean, I definitely have people I will refer to that who are consuming that and have plenty of theories about stuff. So to be able to have, you know, conversation with you uh, about the spiritual teaching and reality that they're visioning through the Hollywood lens is actually going to be quite uh, interesting for people. So I'm sure your subscribers will be drawn like flies to honey. (laughs) And now, you also offer it through your Facebook page, Rocky Psychic Readings. People can also look at your services there and contact you, too. Yes, ma'am. So you can also book through my uh, Facebook page, Rocky Psychic Readings. There's buttons. You can just push it or log or book my reading, and you can just select the time. And I'm, I have various different ways to sign you up. You can even feel free to call me. Uh, phone number is 248 
410 to just set up an appointment that way too. If you text, you can text me too. And if you want to email me, it's just rockypsychicreading at gmail.com. And are you going to be at the big psychic fair or any other events this month? Yes, well, first weekend of every month, I'll be at the big psychic fair. I show up on Sundays at the big psychic fair at the Blue Barn here in Atlanta. But I also, on Saturdays, go to Energy Yoga to do a fair, too. It's just They both have their fair weekends on the same weekend. So I just put up my time just to get to all the different uh, clients that have that are in different regions here of Atlanta here. But... I still go back home and I do my whole Midwest uh, reading as well because with Maria Shaw's reading, we travel around the state of Michigan and we also go to different states in the Midwest too. So I'll also be in Minnesota sometimes as well. Mm. Well, that is awesome. So I guess people, you need to follow Rocky on Facebook so you can see where he's going to be from week to week. You don't have to be in Atlanta to be able to connect with him. I will definitely be seeing you um, on Sunday. Um, Hopefully we'll be in proximity again because your energy is really awesome. And I'll tell you what, uh, your table stayed busy, <laughs> so you have a definite strong following of people who come to see you there, and that's always a good sign because uh, people, you know, uh, there's so much selection there that people can go to really any number of 15 or 20 people, but if you see somebody who's consistently got their sheet full and that you see repeat people. I know the reason I couldn't sit with you in January is because your slots were full and I couldn't stick around that late to where there was an opening. <laughs> so that's why I missed out and sitting with you in uh, January before I started reading myself at the fair. So, uh, you know, I just love your energy and I am appreciative that you were able to share more about yourself, and I anticipate learning more about you through personal contact out in the community here in Atlanta going forward. Did you have any kind of advice or statement that you would want to leave with people when they happen upon this episode of your life at some point in the future through YouTube or the other channels? Yeah, so the world is coming into a spiritual awakening, spiritual place. So um, I guess my message to everybody is just try to be as kind to others and try to live in the best light that you can. Because even if you don't have your own spiritual abilities, that translates to spiritual uh, growth as well. And you're going to want that. And if you can, I would say that start learning more about spirituality because you might not see it now, but it's going to become a big deal. In a, in a couple of years here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the flowering. It's the expansion. Uh, there's a lot of people waking up right now, and they're confused, mm-hmm. like, what's going on? And so for people like you who step fully, you know, at an early age to be a lighthouse and a way shower, that's why you're here, because there's going to be other 20- and 30-something-year-olds who are going to be able to really connect and relate with you, and they will not have as long a journey even as you did to step into your fullness because of what they will receive from you. So I honor that in you. <laughs> um, exactly. For Thank those you very of you much, who- 
those of you who are tuning in each week, I am back on Thursday for the Vibrarian Show. Now, the Vibrarian Show, we start at 9 o'clock, and it is a topical conversation. This week, we're going to just be talking about what is going on with the energies. You know, we've had the Mercury retrograde. We've had several full moons and new moons, the equinox. Uh, there's... Uh, things happening that it's kind of like a psychic news update or metaphysical news update. So if there's something you want to talk about that you're curious about, give us a call. It's a free open call. I'll talk to anybody who wants to talk about something, give you a little bit of the 411 as I'm experiencing it and seeing it. Uh, last week we had a talk with Monique Ruffin, who is an amazing astrologer, and she was breaking down the moon and how manifesting works with the moon energies and kind of gave us a little history and connection to the astrology of the moon and why it influences us. So it's super valuable information. Information. And we've got some people who've created oracle cards coming up for interviews in the future, and it's just kind of a grab bag. I think we're going to be talking about centaurs because I've got reports of a centaur sighting, which I'm absolutely fascinated about. If you all don't know what a centaur is, Google it. You know, it's a what we would call a mythical creature. But when I hear reports of this, I like to go get more information and talk to the people about it. Of course, there's a little hesitancy for people to come forward, but I'm exploring any and every subject. So if there's something mysterious that you're curious about, please do give me a call. And uh, look for us next Tuesday because we've got more psychic stories to share for each of you who are listening, I appreciate your exchange of energy for you showing up for these because I have a good time, but it's made even better by your contribution of being here for these interviews and stories and conversations. And so to each of you, I wish for you this week that you have all of the blessings that you can possibly hold in your arms and that those blessings spill out onto the world around you. The light in me absolutely honors the light in you. Namaste. Namaste.